0: Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, your August 1 warning on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined as I am every week by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this week? I'm a bit
1: gazumped because I think you just called this Dave's of Thunder. And that's a totally different show than whatever that, this is.
0: Well, that is a um, friend of the show, Jack Lazell, pitched Daves of Thunder um, when I told him about the podcast originally. And I was like, yeah, but that doesn't make sense because, like, Lee is co-hosting the show. And he's like, how would he not just change his name by Deedpole or something? <laughs> um, so... Maybe it's in my subconscious because it's such a great branding opportunity. I mean, yeah, all you do is have find yourself another yeah. Dave or somebody willing to change your name. It, it's also distinctly possible that, like after I think this is my fifth week of uh, running uh, summer camps four days a week, that I just can't do words anymore. Um, so <laughs> I might just be delirious. I I might have your, a full on an ROH i uh, i might just have a full on episode in the middle of this show so you'll have to you may have to um you know i may have to give you the office and you'd have to carry me to a four star special this evening but Oof, um no pressure how how is life treating you pal yeah not too bad um i mean i
1: don't know i mean we we seem to record every other couple of days now so it's not like yeah. we have much time where we're not talking to each other anymore
0: it, yeah it's weird like there was there was a couple of weeks ago where we hopped on for a podcast because we'd like banked so many before you went on your, yes. your holidays yeah and it was like jesus i haven't talked to this guy in ages but now it's just like every couple of days one of us is texting the other and just going oh yeah we have to record yeah um <laughs> hey look we chose the patreon life yeah. so so we're happy um, Speaking of Patreon Lee Let's get that out the door early It's the first week of the month That means it's uh the most bang for your buck If you subscribe to patreon.com WCW Thunderpod Do you want to tell people uh what's coming up For the month of August So this month on the Patreon We will
1: have our monthly uh, Recap of WCW and Clash of the Champion shows It'll be rehash number 3 Fall Brawl Sting versus Barry Windham for the U.S. title. Um, Also, this month we will be introducing a brand new show. This is this is Dave's baby. This is the one he's been pointing for for months now. It is Black and Golden Days, a, a revisiting, I suppose, of the golden era
0: of NXT and the not so golden
1: era of NXT.
0: Yeah, um, so this is the first, I I think, yeah, this is the first of our shows where it's a me idea that we hadn't done before. Mm. Because all our new shows were kind of um, ideas that came from Your Demented Mind and uh, a couple of pre-existing shows like At The Movies, which we'd done as specials before. But yeah, um, something we thought would be a nice contrast with WCW uh would have been like the prime era of like all the n x t takeovers mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but because this is days of thunder, um I let you know fairly early on in my pre development process on this show that uh I think we have to get through the bitter to get to the sweet, so we are going right back and starting with the sci fi reality t v era. Of NXT, NXT season one is going to be what comprises our first episode. Uh, I'm going to be watching every episode of it for the show. I'm going to try and spare you and just send you the high and low lights. Mm. Um, but um, look, ha- have have you worked out how many weeks the first season is? Uh, I think it's like roughly. T- is it ten episodes? It's actually like a fairly short season. Ah, well, compared to like, I might watch all of them. Yeah, one of the like. Uh, I think it was like later that the seasons really just ballooned. I think it's like season four and five. Yeah. Season four like, is never ending. Yeah. 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 So it's like ridiculous length.
1: Now, um, to be fair, season four is also probably the best season because yeah. of um, Derek Bateman and Johnny Cordus.
0: Yeah. Oh, so 15 episodes in the first okay, season, 15. which is this, which is the second least by the looks of it. Uh, NXT season two uh, with Caval uh, was only 13 episodes then Season 3, the women's season, 13 episodes as well. Uh, season 4, Johnny Curtis, also 13 episodes. No, it wasn't. Uh, that's what it says here. Ah, NXT Season 5, might be what you remember, 67 episodes. Okay, maybe it was Season 5 then. I will not be watching every episode of that, I can tell you. Um, It went from March of 2011 to June of 2012. Motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just rolled
1: in straight from season four and season five. Yeah,
0: so uh, you know if you want to know the immense talent that was on uh, season one of NXT, just to um, just to just to wet your whistle, uh, we have Wade Barrett, A-list David Otunga, hey, Justin he's... Gabriel, Heath Slater, the one-man band baby, Darren Young, the corn-fed meathead Skip Sheffield, uh, Michael Tarver. And uh, a little herd of guy called uh, Daniel Bryan. Um, so, yeah, that's what we have to look forward to.
1: Yeah. And also, we will have there will obviously be a bevy of pros to their rookies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, look, everyone harpens back to the, the golden age of NXT and the takeover era. But we're going right back to be- the beginning because, of course, we are. Um, we're
0: gonna we're gonna earn the good stuff. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. We have to put ourselves through a little bit of punishment to enjoy the, the pleasure mm-hmm. of So okay. we're sick. We're sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also this month on the Patreon, uh patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod, we will have oh we have up at the moment um asking for Patreon's patron's favourite days of thunder moments mm. in any of the episodes. So we're looking for clips do put up on YouTube? Yeah. Clips of the
0: we're, show, yeah. We were kind of like, we've talked about like doing highlight clips and put them out on social media to kind of like um, people who haven't been converted to the gospel of Days of Thunder. And it's like, how can we show people what the show is like? And a difficulty we both ran into is we're our own harshest critics and we think everything we do is terrible. That so, is uh, so it's hard for us to pick highlights out. There's a couple that we know we want to pick out. Like, we've already put up the Lex Luger story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have already <laughs> clipped the My Grandad versus the Bird story. Uh, there's a few others like that and ones people have already suggested. But we'd really like people to get in touch with us either on Patreon or you can even tweet us at WCW Thunderpod uh, and let us know kind of some of the you know some of your favorite moments of the podcast um particularly if you know the episode number <laughs> that would be great because you won't believe how quickly me and lee forget everything we say once the episode is done i mean
1: honestly once we stop recording i
0: forget if we actually talk about certain things yeah there are a couple of times I, where i have started an episode of thunder to take notes and i'm like good 5 minutes before I'm like i've i've watched this episode before <laughs> yo know, I don't know if you do this as well, but I'm always like,
1: I have a good hot take about Booker T. I'm like, he's really good, and then I'm like, oh no, wait, no, we've done that already. <laughs> we've actually been saying that <laughs> for six months. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that that's what we're looking for this month. We're looking for people to kind of give give us ideas of what other people might enjoy, and obviously spread the word of just how good we are at this. Um, and then finally. We are going to have a poll up shortly. We'll probably have it up for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. um, because we are looking for listener ideas of what our second Patreon show in September shall be. Um, We will say the start of September, we have a couple of very special ideas Mm
0: -hmm. to tie into something that may be going on. Which, you know, without even getting into detail here, I pretty much spill the beans on that on uh, Grab Bag Radio, which came out on the Patreon last week. So if you subscribe and check out Grab Bag Radio, I kind of, I tip my cap as to what one of those specials mm-hmm. is. Um, so yeah, so we will put up a poll with all of our shows. So
1: it'll be At The Movies, Black and Golden Days. Um, rehash. Pick Your Poison, rehash. We want to know what the listeners
0: enjoy and what they want to hear from us in yeah. September yeah uh, we're also uh the early talks of uh the next cast and Furious are happening um so hopefully we'll get one of those out in the near future we've got a, a few left in the tank I mean who would have thought that you and Chris would turn into the vin and Dwayne of the show I know yeah well it's that I you know I I need to win all podcast fights so <laughs> that's that's actually in my contract writer <laughs> don't let him away with a Chris that's all I'm saying (laughs) right pal Um, we've got everything else out of the way so just before we get into this episode of Thunder let's hear a word from our sponsors That's right, Days of Thunder listeners, it's that time again. If you have an appetite like the corn-fed meathead Skip Sheffield, you're going to want to listen into this because we got to talk about our friends at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Choose from 55-plus weekly options featuring pre-portioned, high-quality ingredients picked at peak ripeness. HelloFresh delivers fresh, quality produce from the farm to your door in less than a week so you can savour summer flavours right from home. Select meals from the Taste of Summer series that are sure to become everyone's new favourites like the Old Bay Shrimp and Sausage Boil and Family Style Grilled Steak Lettuce Wraps. Holy hell. To avail of the offer that's being made to you, the days of Thunder listener, all you gotta do is go to hellofresh.com/vow16 and use the code vow16 for up to 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. One more time, that's hellofresh.com/vow16 and use the code vow16 at checkout to avail of that offer. And if that doesn't sate your appetite, I just don't know what will. It's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Back to the show. This is Thunder, episode 57, April Fool's Day, 1st of April, 1999. I think we may have been the only fools uh, present for this one. Uh, From the historic Richmond Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia, drawing a 3.1 rating. Uh, We are two weeks out from Spring Stampede. um, And we are promised or threatened uh, that this show will go two plus hours uh, with overtime if necessary. Uh, Tony does warn us it's April Fool's Day so you know perhaps that is the big prank is like we will make you watch more thunder than you had planned maybe it was a prank on Bischoff that you know the show that he absolutely despises might just never Mm. end yeah um, he then, uh, as part of his intro, calls Heenan and Tanae the two biggest fools in wrestling. I gotta tell you guys, if you've been watching these shows along with us, um, if you also haven't been a recent fan of uh, WCW commentators bitching at one another, this is maybe a skippable show for you. Oh boy, do they bitch at each other all show long. Um, this was, there's this one particular match where I have almost no notes about the match, because I just, I couldn't, no matter how hard I tried, focus on it. And normally, even when that kind of bullshit is happening, like, I'm kind of, you know, when, say in WWE, when Cole was doing the heel commentator bit, Mm. like, I, I kind of was able to tune that out for the most part, but this is, like, so... Constant and so abrasive yeah. that I I just couldn't. But look, uh, let's not skip too far ahead. Um, one of the big things that they really want you to know on this show, Lee, is that uh Sting is going to be speaking on Monday. Did you know that? Did you know that Sting is going to be speaking on Monday? They're in Las Vegas on Monday, and Sting is going to speak. They've I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a rumor that Sting might open yeah. Nitro. They went from um, they went from being like. Rumors that he might be in the country on Monday too. We know exactly well, his to, future whereabouts now. Well, he had to cross the border, and then the border patrol told him—not border patrol, the tag
1: team—but no. the the actual border control, yeah, our patrol told told uh, Tony that he was in fact in the country. He had been seen crossing crossing the border yeah. into Canada.
0: Yeah, he got stooged off. Yeah, um, you know Tony and all his connections in the Canadian government. Yeah. Well, do you think maybe it was like? Um, Time Traveller Goldberg uh, From uh, The Jesse Ventura story That tipped him off It's was like Oh I know that Sting Is going to be there Next Monday To cut a promo So you can Try and pop a buy rate Why why do you think think Sting wasn't in The Jesse movie Sting Sting was a A real good actor He was This was actually Around the time Where he kind of Was having his dalliance Mm. With uh, Hollywood Wasn't it Um, I mean Who's to say Maybe he was Holding out for that Fuck you ready to rumble Cash
1: Maybe, but I mean, have you ever seen Sting in the the Beach Blast mini movie? No, I can't say I have. With Fader and Bulldog, That's I've it. seen like I've seen like gifts of it. Uh, yeah, have, but I haven't actually you, seen it. You got
0: to watch it. It's only a couple of minutes long. But St- Sting mm. is. <laughs> Where does it rank compared to Universal Soldier Two? Well, Dave, I mean, this isn't a show to be getting into those kind of rankings. <laughs> Um, we also know from Monday that Hogan is now number one contender to the world title. Uh, But what they're basically saying is because Rick is running the show and because this company is a sham, we actually don't know if him being number one contender actually, actually means, means anything. Football, yeah. <laughs> and and he's going to honor that stipulation. There's a real casual relationship over the... Like, since they... like We've broached this point before, Lee. But it's becoming even more abundant that they had absolutely no plans to make Flair the heel president and no. world champion relatively recently. No, it, it uh, all just happened and they went, oh, fuck, what do we do now? Because every segment that involves, like, him and or Hogan, they fucking tie themselves up in knots. Mm-hmm. Um, and that very much the sense here uh, where it's just like, oh, fuck. Like, we have to, you know... He is the president, so like logically, you know, no one the, the number one contender thing shouldn't apply to him, but we have to build a match. It's like ah you know, they're yeah, they're really tied themselves up in knots. Um Starting out of the show, uh Saturn and Raven uh in the ring with Gene Okerlund. Uh and Gene wants to know why they're back together. And they play dumb. They they act like they never even broke up. I, I think it was uh, Saturn cuts in and goes, I never knew we were in a relationship. Yeah. Uh, which actually did get a bit of a laugh yeah. from the crowd. of surprises. That was like, that was a real, like, oh, that was a real softball I, I look, I did enjoy Raven's just total
1: non-answer. He's just like, what What do you mean broke up? Yeah. And <laughs>
0: um, did you appreciate, uh, I don't know how you felt, because like this was, we've talked about fourth wall moments because we're going to be getting more and more of them as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, in WCW but this is one of the fourth wall moments where it's like a cheeky little nugget of a reference that I, I really liked I loved it I loved this this whole segment yeah um, so, 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 so t-
1: tell us what they said that popped us so yeah so Raven is totally ignoring Gene's questions and um, he then says look me, me and Saturn used to fight all the time in high school and there was this girl Beulah that we used to fight over all the time
0: It it didn't even say... like He literally said said Beulah McGillicuddy. Oh, he said said, Beulah McGillicuddy, yeah, sorry. Yeah, he said her full name. It wasn't even just, oh, oh, he's doing like half a reference. So he said Beulah McGillicuddy. Yeah, and then Saturn interjects with going, that's Tommy, you idiot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No,
1: that was Tommy, you idiot. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I kind of couldn't stop laughing at that for a couple of minutes. It
0: it got a little bit of a reaction as well. Oh, yeah. Like, Like, there was definitely audible. People knew what they were talking about. Listen, no matter what... Certain people will tell you
1: wrestling fans are not fucking idiots that will only watch one company. Yeah. Um. So Raven Basie said, um, oh, Gene, Gene wants to know why they interfered in the tag title match on Monday. And Raven says, well, I never liked Benoit. Yeah. I, I don't like Malenko. Yeah. He even robs uh, Jericho Stinko Malenko, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he even but he gave him credit. He was like as Chris Jericho would say. But uh what I I really liked here is there's a line Raven has where he's basically like doing a nod and a wink to how nonsensical the booking is now. Uh because he just go they, like Gene flat out asks him as you say like why did you cost mm. them the titles when like you could have your match with them could have been for the titles. And he kind of pauses for a beat and then says, "Yeah, Gene, that wasn't our best calculation." Um, <laughs> I think he then says, "Well,
1: we think we might have a better shot with Ray and Ray and Kidman."
0: Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, Saturn has a line towards the end of the promo which I like, which is like, "Hey, Ray and Kidman, we won the titles for you. The least mm-hmm. we deserve is a title shot." So uh, you know, a good bit of the two of them thinking on their feet to maybe like uh, put their ducks in a row for mm-hmm. the the kind of next feud that they would do. Um, i I think it's becoming the more we see him the more obvious it
1: becomes that Gene Oakland is just taking away from segments more than he's giving at this stage
0: yeah he's he's an active negative most of the time he's around now um i I, I like that over the course of this show um Saturn is like it's like he's gradually trying to tiptoe out of his gimmick yes. and see if anybody will notice. Mm-hmm. Because here the like the makeup is toned down I don't think he had the contacts um he's still wearing a corset um but later on in the show he comes out again and his dress is replaced by just a pair of bootcut jeans yeah like he's still got the corset on but he's wearing jeans um so it's like by next week he's just gonna like have reverted back to like flock era Saturn <laughs> yeah basically hopefully yeah. Uh, our first match, April Fool's Indeed, uh, we had Norman Smiley versus Eric Watts. Fucking hell, Eric Watts sucks, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. I was just going to say, how big did you pop for Eric Watts? Oh, look, I popped. Well, he sucks.
1: <laughs> oh, he's not good. No, he's not good at all. But listen, um, I, I I can
0: fuck with TNA era director of authority, Eric Watts, all day. Yeah. Yeah. I I I am noticing a trend on these shows of um, let's like it, it might be an in joke amongst the producers of like let's see what Norman Smiley can get out of X. No, n- that's something now that you we should say keep that, track of. Yeah, I
1: think that that actually could be a real thing.
0: Yeah, because was it did he was it him recently had a match with like the long disappeared Scott Putzky? Yes. Yeah, he also so, he's like, wrestled IKEA. Yeah. Oh fuck. Uh, well I, again, it's something we've noticed over the last couple of months. The big wiggle is over. Uh, that's one big takeaway from what, this. What but did you think of TBS zooming out on the big wiggle?
1: Because it's Well, so I mean lewd. that is
0: it, it is extremely lewd. I would love it if every time he did the big wiggle they did like the uh Censored. the make Rainma- the Rainmaker crash oh. zoom out. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say like you know like the the, the centered sign the oh they just like blur him yeah. from like belly button to like middle of his thighs that would be good as well. Um... It it
1: is ironic though that Norman Smiley, the wrestler, is doing the big wiggle while Boy Band Era
0: Eric Watts is just showing no charisma at all, none whatsoever. Um, the long-running gag on trying to get Tony Schiavone to say Norman, Norman Smiley continues. Uh, And I, you know what? Like, again, we gave out about them bickering later on, but I actually did laugh at this version of it that they did, where, like, for the first couple of minutes, they're like, Norman Smiley, and Tony does his usual thing of, like, who told you that it's pronounced like that? I was like, he told me, and stuff like that. And then as uh, as soon as he agrees and pronounces it Norman Smiley, uh, they just switch just back to just him, yeah. calling it Norman Smiley. And they're just like, who the hell told you to say it like that? And he's just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like. Now, listen, Tony is awful on this show. Yeah. But they're, they're- Tony is clearly at this stage getting direction through the headset to like start antagonizing the lads.
1: Yeah, it, it's really weird. Because yeah. either he's getting direction to do, or he just—he obviously thinks he's unfireable at this point,
0: yeah, unsackable. Um, yeah. and it's just like he does not care. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it, and it's tough because like we love Tony, we love current day Tony, we love classic Tony, and it's tough to see this era. I don't think like much as we're hating the commentary in this show. I don't think I could ever put 100% of the blame on any of these no. guys because this company over time squeezed out any enthusiasm they had for professional wrestling, Um, you know, to the point where, like, after WCW, you know, the famous joke that Tony Schiavone spent one night in TNA and quit the business for 20 <laughs> years, Um, you know, that, like, uh, Heenan, apart from the, the gimmick battle royal, was never, Dumb. like, yeah. a commentator again. Um thankfully today was we got many more years of today, but you, you know what I mean. Um this match, uh like forward so this is the first thunder of a double shot. Uh so this is the live thunder, and um it's amazing that seconds into the first match we were already getting boring chance because uh Smiley does a couple of spots and then Eric Watts just grabs a fucking headlock. I mean, it's what he's trained for. Yeah. Um, so Smiley then keeps doing the kind of like he's whipped into the ropes and he keeps ducking Watts a strike. Uh Watts hits a drop toe hold onto the middle rope for heat. I actually thought the drop toe hold looked very good. Did. Um, because he like real snap to it really quick. Um he then chucks Smiley outside the ring. Uh back in the ring, they do tackle drop down. Uh Smiley stops himself to avoid a leapfrog. I one of my favorite breaks the entire internal logic of wrestling is when Stop a guy a guy is whipped into the ropes and he just puts on the brakes yeah. uh, it's it's very funny to me uh, and I, like I wouldn't necessarily have expected it from Smiley um, but it, like I suppose within the spot itself I like the idea that like uh, Eric Watts did a leapfrog and Norman Smiley just like stopped short so that you know he assumed Smiley went underneath him and then Smiley was behind him and able to attack him um, he celebrates outsmarting Watts with a uh a, a medium sized wiggle. I would say, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, and then we get, I I think the sorriest I've ever felt for somebody, uh, in the ring on Thunder Lee. And bear in mind, we've seen several serious injuries <laughs> on oh Thunder. Right. So, do you know what spot I'm about to talk about? I don't, but go on. So, Eric Watts, after, like, just doing headlocks and, you know, punch, punch, kick, kick. um, He, out of nowhere, hits a spinning uranagi, which, you know, look pretty mm-hmm. decent. And he gets so hyped at himself doing a good move that he celebrates by doing double finger guns <laughs> into the camera. I was like, <laughs> you like, went up two cool points and then down ten in about three seconds there, pal. Fucking hell.
1: Maybe maybe he knew there was a a cowboy group being formed in the back.
0: Hmm. Perhaps. Um, something I actually did think was cool in terms of move of his, something that was, like, 1999, you don't see it that much. He hits a buckle bomb. Buckle bomb, yeah. Now, a very slow buckle bomb, but a buckle bomb nonetheless. Yes. Else. Yeah, so for this day and age, like that's, and it gets a proper heel reaction from the crowd because mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh shit!" Like he might have actually fucked him up. Um, but the hubris then costs him because he thinks like, "That's it, I have this guy," uh, and he gets caught in a Norman Conquest and submits. Um, the segment ends with TNA plugging the hotline.
1: Nor- Norman Con- Conquest
0: remains one of the best names for our finisher in wrestling. Yes, I I wholeheartedly agree. Um, We then get one of the running threads for the night, which is Jericho trying to plead his way back into the US title tournament. And I actually thought Lee returned to form for Jericho yes. uh, this week. uh, I haven't really enjoyed him as much lately, Uh, but I felt this was him getting back to his his annoying doofus heel best. Yeah, th- this was Jericho you want to see. This was I mean, just put him with JJ. It's just instantly brilliant. I don't don't know what it is. Uh, And it's like, JJ does nothing. Like JJ is just like a blank canvas for him to perform. He bounces off him. Yeah, it just works. But it's just magic. Yeah. I don't understand why. So he's backstage with Jojo. And uh, can we talk about Jericho's t-shirt, by the way? I didn't take note of it. So Jericho's t-shirt is you want to talk about like the master of self-promotion. Jericho is wearing a t-shirt that's cut. The sleeves are cut off it. And all it has on it is www.chrisjericho.com and then a giant picture of his face puckering a kiss. Tremendous. That'll do it. Tremendous. Um, He says that, hey, Kurt Hennigan is injured. um, So he's out of the US title tournament. And in his words, as the last man to have a tremendous match in this tournament. The only possible man to have a tremendous match yeah uh he needs to be put back in according to now we've all heard of the ed the strangler lewis loophole Mm -hmm. that he had used before he found in the rule books the silent brian mcnee clause (laughs) which stumped jojo it must be said yeah jojo was like you could tell uh jj's like I'm pretty sure this is bullshit, but I can't say 100%. So he just goes, Let me see that rule You know book. what? Yeah, he goes, You know what? Get me that rule book. But for now, I'm saying no. So the way this was left, I was delighted because it meant there was 100% going to be yeah, a follow up yeah. segment later in the night. Uh, next match, we have Perry, Saturn, and Raven versus Bobby Duncan Jr. and. It's an Enos alert. Lee, I have heartbreaking news. I'm prepared for it. This is the final ever Thunder Tag Match of Young Dumb and Bobby Duncombe. And it is the second last ever appearance of Mike Enos on Thunder. I mean, all good things must come to an end. He sticks around on dark matches for several months, but we had been alerted on Twitter recently that we were coming to the end of the. We're coming to the end of the Enos. We're mm. reaching. We we started at the base of the Enos. And we've got right to the tip, right to the apex of the Enos and sadly soon we've been working away at that Enos for so long that it's about to go off Um. so the enus climax is coming Darren you're on your own here <laughs> I, was wondering, I was wondering how long you'd let me go on if this is a video podcast you have no idea how disappointedly <laughs> looks right now
1: uh, it's not like the enus is ever really disappointing but you
0: know no, no, um Enos is very hard on Raven early in this match, um Enos really stretching him out and making him suffer here um <laughs> it took two opponents at one time to slow the Enos down. he'd been quite vigorous till then um yeah already fell. Oh my god! I gotta get all these, <laughs> I gotta get all this, all this out of the way because we only got two two matches left. So I get all, all my stupid ideas out. <laughs> Stretching about broke me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I really, I, I, you know, it's one of those things where I thought of, it, it, the gag came into my head, and I thought. Is that too graphic? <laughs> but as soon as you write it down, you kind of have to say it. You know?
1: <laughs> oh my god. Uh... Yeah, th- this is um this is content you're only ever going to get here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Where else but Days of Thunder, eh? where else oh my god. I ask you
1: uh, I just I'm, I'm so sad that the unis is ending. actually
0: possi- possibly possibly the flagship as well yeah well <laughs> I was gonna say where else and I was like oh there's actually you know one one place on this network <laughs> <from>. <laughs> oh god Um, so double tag and Saturn dumps boatmen with lovely looking suplexes this is Lee all I want is House of Fire Saturn dumping people on their heads is that so much to ask Listen, being being real, if a TV, a wrestling
1: television show starts, and within half an hour I've seen Raven and Saturn twice, I mean I'm not yeah. gonna hate the show. I thought this was, this is exactly
0: what I want on my Do TV you know, show. Like, and I don't want to skip ahead to the end, but you know, and the quality definitely does dip later on. It wasn't a bad Thunder. But
1: really, that was going to be my hot take at the end. I did not hate this show. I thought this was actually yeah. quite decent.
0: Yeah, it was a fairly fairly breezy one. Um, so, uh, both he and Raven attempt bulldogs on their opponents, but they're bumped into each other. Uh, Enos spills outside uh, the ring. Uh, the Enos spills all over Raven. Terrible mess. Um, Saturn nearly taps Bobby after a beautiful... Oh, yes. So, he nearly tapped Bobby come out, he does this, like, incredible, he takes him down, and he, like, does, does the smoothest amateur wrestling yep. flow over into the rings of Saturn you've ever seen. Uh, gets broken up. Ina stiffs Saturn with a chair, but it only delays him for a moment. He's able to get the hot tag. Then, again, something that, it's a novelty for us on this show, and that's uh, Babyface House of Fire Raven. Mm-hmm. That I'm super into. Oh, I'm s- uh, listen. I've, I've said it for weeks. So I'm so into this. I'm so ready for Babyface Raven. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh. Ah, yeah, like he is. <sighs> He's all over them like a wet flannel, basically. Um, ten punch to Bobby. Uh, Enos grabs him off the top rope with an electric chair. Two count. Uh, Bobby then tries to get the cowbell from the corner. It gets tied up for a while. Um, he turns around. ...accidentally clocks Enos with it... Uh, ...even flow... ...and a win... Mm-hmm. Um. ...so pretty much... ...as soon as the bell rings then... ...the horsemen are down... ...Milenko and Benoit... ...like a vicious beatdown... Mm-hmm. ...they focus on Raven's leg... ...Saturn gets waffled with a chair... Raven gets that uh, a spot I absolutely love, where the chair is wedged between the top middle uh, top rope and Brett's rope, and they whip him really hard, and he just goes like he impales himself yeah, through the chair. He literally torn his body into the chair. It was looked yeah. awesome. Uh so both men get destroyed. Um, great segments, all action. Can I just say the fans are incredibly into Saturn and Raven? Yeah. Like I, oh, I know, we've, really we've
1: talked it up, but they are they are really on board for this. Yeah, um, I thought this was a great segment. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It, it it like they established in the first segment that Saturn and Raven are one hundred percent baby faces. Now they then bring them yeah. out to face this semi regular heel team, which they just yeah. overcome fairly easily. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they get beaten down by the. The vicious heels. I mean, it does everything you want.
0: Yeah, yeah. It uh absolutely this is one of those like uh Diamond in the Rough segments where um you built up the new babyface tag team really well and then you establish the dominance of the heels and why they hate each other so much, and it's like, oh you better pay to see Spring Stampede mm-hmm. because these two just can't like keep their hands off each other. Great stuff. Uh, JJ and Flair are backstage chatting when Jericho interrupts. And I gotta love how, uh, how unnaturally these two men are sitting. Where it's just like, f- was it f- uh, is it JJ is sitting on the chair? Uh, I thought it was Flair sitting in the chair and JJ oh, on Flair. the armrest. JJ is on the armrest, rest, perched like a parrot on his shoulder. <laughs> uh, with like, it's like a leather armchair that's been placed in what looks clearly like a locker room because yes. you could see the lockers behind and Jericho walks in stage, right. Um, and his his refrain during this segment is when they're humming and hawing about it. He keeps saying, think of the kids, think of the Jericho holics. Um, he explains his situation to flair. Flair kind of molds it over for a minute. And he says, "You what? I like this kid. So JJ put him back in the tournament. Uh, once he verifies with JJ that Kurt Hennig is injured. I love this idea, by the way. Man is the president of the company and he has no idea that a guy in his US title tournament is injured.
1: I mean, that's the whole... like Look,
0: I think this is something they they do well, where
1: JJ is actually the president and the guy doing all the shit and he just has to kind of yeah. make sure Flair doesn't do anything too awful.
0: Yeah, Flair just likes the title yeah. and the abuse of power. He doesn't actually he want to He doesn't care about work.
1: anybody else. I mean, it's like his booking philosophy. Yeah. It's all about Ric Flair and everybody yeah. else doesn't matter.
0: Uh, just to get the barb in at Hogan at the end when Jericho walks off screen, he's just like he was repeating to JJ, I like that kid. You know, he grew up wanting to be like me, not like Hogan, Yeah. Um, which is good because that's kind of like the reverse of what Hogan is doing with um David Flair at the moment. He's like, mm. you know, this kid wants to be me, not not Flair. Um, so for P- WCW what, Saturday night. Well, all that was going on. Sorry. Poor Horace is in the back on.
1: Who can I be like?
0: Yeah, he's doing like the Charlie Brown walk around <laughs> backstage. Um, Saturday night teas. Uh, this week we're getting Booker, Jericho. We're getting uh Rick Steiner versus Fit Finley. We're getting uh Meng and Jerry Flynn versus Barb and Hugh Morris. Uh, and we're getting Raven and Saturn appearing. Now we come to the US Heavyweight Title Tournament. First round match. uh, Gentleman Chris Adams versus reinstalled in the tournament Chris Jericho. Did
1: they actually say this was a tournament match? Uh,
0: They didn't say it on TV, but according to Cage Match, it was. Okay. So, I'm going to go with Cage Match as opposed to World Championship Wrestling. Sounds good. Yeah. Um... This again, in ring, like this isn't an absolute classic, but we're getting back to the kind of Jericho I really enjoy where it's like the whole thing that works for me about the heel Jericho character at this, you know, during WCW is that it's not that he can't wrestle at a very high level and he just takes shortcuts. It's just that he doesn't want to. Yeah, he to. chooses not to. Yeah. Like so when, when the
1: guy wanted to, he was the best cruiserweight in the world. Yeah. And was fucking taking Luchador's
0: masks monthly. Yeah. It's yeah. just that he's an asshole and doesn't want to win clean. When he's get corner, when he gets cornered, he can win matches clean mm-hmm. and he can win decisively without help or anything like that. It's just like, why bother? Why should I when I can <laughs> just cheat? When I can take shortcuts. When I can find loopholes. Mm-hmm. Um. So the story of the match, you know, is that um that Chris Adams is kind of trying to throw on holes or stretch him or suplex him. And uh, he's just trying to get distance. Jericho wants none of this wrestling shit. Um, and every so often he finds himself trapped and he has to try and, you know, get something. Uh, Chris Adams makes a couple of mistakes. He capitalizes on them briefly, but he's he's fairly consistently being out wrestled mm-hmm. uh, in this match. Um, I like the finish kind of sort of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, that that's one. Um, quite... it's like it, it yeah. kind of
1: it's not good for Jericho to have Adams take like eighty five percent of the
0: match and then just tap out an hour. It feels very much like maybe it was cut for time, mm, possibly. Um. So Jericho ducks a running crossbody, and he uses that opportunity to lock in the tamer and win. Um. Heenan uh, kind of very much trying to put over Chris Adams here by saying like Jericho got lucky he was out wrestled mm. so I, I suppose like it would be interesting if they play it off you know because again I don't really know what happens next with Jericho in this tournament if they play it off as like um, Jericho keeps getting away with it and keeps getting lucky I think would be an interesting way to go about it is like he keeps getting out wrestled but squeaking it out uh, it's kind of like, it would be a version of what he would do at Vengeance season 2001. Mm. It's like, he beat The Rock and Stone Cold on the same night, but did he? Yeah,
1: yeah. You know? I mean, yeah.
0: Uh, I'd like that. I don't think that's what they're going to do, no. but I think that would be an interesting story to tell. Like, if he got his whole way through the tournament and it's like, how does this fucker keep doing it? If I had to guess, he gets beaten by Steiner, Scott Steiner, on yeah. Nitro. Yeah. Uh, I Like, I think it would be an interesting way of getting heat for that character. It's like, the fans are like, every time he's coming up against a baby face and they're like, all right, this time his number is up and he just keeps fucking mm-hmm. winning. Uh, I think would be an interesting story. Or he story gets over tell.
1: it's just been really fucking good.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that either. That either. Yeah. um, Flair is now in the back with Ed. FKA, the disciple. No, he's still the disciple. He's just Ed Leslie as well. Yeah, Ed Leslie. Ed, the disciple Leslie. The booty man. The butcher. Yeah. Um, yeah he's uh, the man with no name the zodiac um flair says you know in 30 days your contract expires very convenient how exactly 30 days from that conversation his his contract expires recruiting you Nick Han um he goes you know as well as i do that we both knew hogan before he was anything in the business so he says what i got to do for you is i'm going to offer you a 3 year deal on double the money if you beat hogan tonight now, part of me was like, "There's like the kernel of an interesting idea there, where you have you try to turn the guy's former bestie against him, and you're basically putting him on the take to try and beat the guy." But there's no stakes for this match. Do they mention that like his number one contendership is on the line? No, nothing. No, but also it doesn't have as much effectiveness. Because I don't have as short a memory as these bookers do. And Disciple already turned on Hogan mm-hmm. a couple of, mo- like a few months ago because he was in the one war. He was the second man in the one warrior nation. And then he became his own man. Yeah. And remember when he cut that famous promo? Oh, how could I forget? Yeah. We all knew where we were that night. And uh,
1: yeah, so he became his own man and the Disciple would follow no man, even though he was still named
0: the Disciple. So if like if none of that had happened, and he was still in the NWO, and he was still Hogan's lackey, and Flair was using the contract situation to leverage Disciple against him, also crucially, if Disciple was somebody that was in any way a logical threat to Hogan, yeah, I mean, like it, it, if you did this with Hall, yeah, like if Hall was still there, or or someone like that, like a, a Lex I think a Stevie Ray would have been more believable. At least Stevie Ray physically is mm-hmm. more believable. Like, I wouldn't, looking on paper, think Stevie Ray is going to be Hogan, but at least he's physically imposing. Um, whereas disciple is just like, he's he's the fucking disciple. Like, you might as well put Vincent in there, you know? Um, next up, we have a tag team match, allegedly. Hugh Morris and Barbarian versus Jerry Flynn and Meng, which you might notice, Lee, had already been teased for happening again on WCW Saturday night. Yes, I did notice that. Um, This match immediately starts with, and I feel like we're about four or five TNA references deep on this podcast, but to the back, uh, as we see Jerry getting beaten down by the first family. So
1: at what point do you
0: think Meng was walking out and he realized Jerry Flynn was not beside him anymore? I don't think he realized until several seconds after the video started playing in the arena. Um, Which was funnier, right? Broken down already at his age, Meng, trying to look like he was running backstage with urgency. Mm. Or I don't know if you saw the clip from Monday where Bianca Belair had to try and run full sprint backstage in heels, wearing her belt. I did not see that. (laughs) Yeah, she had to run back because they did, like, fairly similar to this where, like, Bailey's crew... Beat down Becky backstage, and she went to make the save. But she had to hold like the belt in one hand, hold her hair with the other, and try and run in heels. <laughs> the poor woman, like I, if you ever doubted—and you shouldn't—Bianca Belair's athletic cre- uh, credibility, that her not breaking her neck, yeah, running. Yeah, because she, I'll tell you, she she definitely moved a lot quicker than Meng did here to get backstage. And you can hear him kind of like trying to do his best acting and like, oh, Jerry! <laughs> but he doesn't really give
1: a fuck. I love that after he checks on Jerry a couple of times and he's like, you know, you know, they, they really hurt Jerry Flynn, but I think Meng did more damage picking
0: up his head and dropping it a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is you learn very quickly uh, why Meng wasn't really pu- pushed. He's pissed. He has to go it alone. He slaps himself. He comes out, and if there's if there's something more terrifying in this world than an angry Meng power walking to the the ring, slapping himself in the face to psych himself up, I I've not seen it. <laughs> Fucking hell! I was terrified.
1: <laughs> I mean, look, um, it's Meng against. Humorous and the Barbarian. Who look, I have a lot of respect for the Barbarian. Yeah. I fuck all for Morris. Do you? But I have a lot of respect for the Barbarian. <laughs>
0: yeah. But still, I'm taking Meng in that fight. Well, like this is the thing: is like it was supposed to be a tag match, but for most of this, Meng is doing better than if he had a partner. I mean, he, like, yeah, like he's, he's Meng. Like seventy percent of this match is him beating up two men very easily. Like, it was hilarious. Um,
1: I did also enjoy during this match that the commentary actively broke down Sting
0: and his history of his face paint. Yes, they did that. And the other thing I really liked that the commentary did here was they have, again, there's a very uh, mixed relationship between whether the commentators see the videos that are played in the arena Mm -hmm. or they don't. Because after this... um, after the, the Hogan Disciples segment, we have this match, as we said, and during this match, they talk about we've just been handed a note from management that says Hulk Hogan will wrestle tonight, but none of them have any idea who he's going to wrestle. <laughs> yeah, make, makes perfect sense. Um, I think, ha- I think it's really funny, Lee, that I think I've seen the four men who are involved in this match feuding. Since the beginning of Thunder, <laughs> yeah, that's probably about right. At least three of them, like Jerry Flynn has come in and out, but Meng, Barbarian, and Hugh Morris they cannot cannot get out of each other's orbit. Meng had was definitely in a feud with Barbarian. Then they were a
1: tag team. Then they were feuding now they're again. feuding again, and Hugh Morris was yeah. definitely in around
0: them. During the yeah, he was fuels. with the he was he was with the two yeah. of them. Yeah. During the singles um, feud he was involved somehow. Then they I think he I think he may have wrestled one or both of them early in Thunder. Mm-hmm. And then when they became the tag team again They were in the first family together. G- yeah, Jimmy recruited Hugh Morris and then the split happened again. Um yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Uh it's it's like they have their own separate promotion within WCW that, that absolutely no one wants to watch. It's like the Codyverse except Yeah. Worse yeah. somehow. Um then we have the heat spot, and that's when you remind yourself this is why Meng never sells. Yes. Because it's awful and no one cares. And nobody believes it. Yeah, no one no one has any sympathy because everybody knows how tough the man actually is. Um, this is when we get our face paint chat on comms. Um Morris and Barb do a oh, this was like this is the loudest I shrieked on the whole show. Uh, Morris and Barb do a double team spot where they back body drop Meng into a powerbomb. Mm-hmm. And um I'm not exaggerating when I say that within the course of about three seconds, I thought all three men had a chance of dying on this spot. <laughs> Was one for Morris back, back body dropping Meng. Yeah. Uh Barbarian Meng who Meng who nearly landed directly on top of his head in between the two. Yes, bombs. and Barb who then saved Meng, but then had yeah. to haul him up into a powerbomb. Yeah, and also uh, the the two heels would have absolutely died if they had hurt Meng, because he would have killed them. Yeah,
1: that's a, that's a fair point.
0: Yeah. Um. So Jerry Flynn comes out. <laughs> And his his grand contribution to the match is to get up on the apron and hoof, uh, Hugh Morris off the ropes. I know. Did, did uh, you not see his world class selling of his neck? That's true. Yeah, it was it was proper. I, I tell you what, Jamesy would have only loved us that that proper selling. the continuity. Yeah, um, tongue and death grip on Barb who taps, and then Hugh Morris comes in. He gets a tongue and death grip. Uh Jimmy Hart hits him with a chair, no sell. And uh maybe the most athletic thing I've seen Meng do is uh, big boot the chair out of Jimmy's hands. Mm-hmm. I did not know he could lift his leg that high. Uh so fair play to him. Um the, the heels bail and in my favorite Meng moment of the week, um he strongly contemplates just hitting Jerry Lynn, Jerry Flynn with the chair anyway. Yeah, of course he does. He's he's bang. He does the tease of like I don't even like um, this guy. yeah I might fucking smash this cunt in (laughs) like my
1: favourite thing about Meng and I was thinking about this when I was watching this match I was like when he when WWF re-signed him in 2001 to be in the Rumble yeah and they obviously re-signed him to be Haku yeah
0: but he just showed up as Meng anyway yeah He's great. I love him. He's just like, has there ever been someone who gives less of a shit about anyone or anything? Can you imagine fucking
1: Gerald Briscoe or Shane McMahon going up to him backstage and going, oh, you know, we'd we'd really love to see classic Haku. Yeah. And him just going, no.
0: Nah, you're not getting that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um... Uh, do you know what infuriated me though after this match after it they do a video package for Meng hmm like do the package before hype up the guy oh, no 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 that, that would no, make make any like sense. we've just seen yeah just in case you forgot who we just saw win a match against two men here's Meng again hmm um so now we get Gene in the ring with Hulk Uh, Hogan says, Mr. Flair wants him to jump through, through hoops. He says, no problemo, Jack, because at the end of this, he gets Flair. Uh, Flair is out to tell the fans then to shut up. I thought... Flair was terrible here. Oh, Awful. I thought... I thought Hogan did a really good job. Like, now that he's supposed to be babyface again, I thought, like, he hit his brothers, he hit his jacks, but instead of, like, the... Do you remember we used to have the 10-minute rambling Hollywood promo it's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is this guy even talking about? Th- he had a simple point, and he drove it home. He goes, you can throw whatever obstacle you want in front of me, Flair. I will run through it, because you're at the end of it, and I'm taking my fucking belt back. See, you've stolen all what I thought was going to be my kind of hot takes on this. That Oh,
1: sorry, man. That exact, exactly that. That Hogan was kind of exactly where you want them to be as the babyface in this feud. Whereas I just thought Flair was fucking, not, not heelishly insufferable, but just fucking awful. Like, he's just screaming on because the microphone. Because like this is a-
0: yeah, this is a guy who's one of, like, the great heel promos of all time. And he's just doing the classic, like, holiday camp wrestling show heel where he's just like, hey. He can fight to a fan. Sh- shut up. Yeah. Calling fans fat and just saying, like, I can't. I lost count of how many times he told people to shut up during this. Um, he says, I'm your leader. I'm your boss. I'm your world champion. Uh, before you get to me, you have to wrestle. Ed. Um, disciple says, and even disciple was better than Flair in this segment. Mm-hmm. Think about that, because again, he had a simple point. He's like, "Look, you know, we have such a past together, but this is all about my future." Um, and this is where I, are we all just agreeing to forget collectively that he already betrayed Hogan like less than six yes. months ago? Yes. Um, Hogan doesn't back down from that challenge. Like you can tell, he's momentarily phased by it, but. He, he doesn't back down. He's game for it. Flair just keeps shouting at fans, and the match is set for the main event. Um, like he's he's picking fights with fans to the point where even though no one's speaking in the ring, they just take the camera off Flair, go into the ring, and the ca- uh, the commentators are like, "He's just arguing yeah, with fans." J- Gene, just fucking say something, will you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, tag match up next. It's Benoit and Malenko with Aaron, uh versus Chavo and Kaz Hayashi, and this is where. Fucking hell. The commentary goes completely off the reservation.
1: But before we get to the commentary.
0: Yeah. I don't
1: know if I ever brought this up. But. Whoever was watching wrestling at the time. And was aware of WCW. in whatever circle I was in. There was this thought. I don't know if any any other people had this at the time. That Kaz Hayashi was going to join the horseman. Because. Have you seen the symbol on casa's tights? It's fer- It's fairly similar to the the horseman logo, the 4 and the H, you know, crossed together. Yeah. And he had, like, the very similar tight colours to Malenko and Benoit. And it was just this theory that I don't know where it started, who started it among us. We were just like, oh, yeah, Kaz is 100% trend, the horseman. Yeah.
0: I, it would have been an interesting twist. I mean... I don't think he would have fit at all. No, uh, it would definitely be a different direction for them. Um, I wouldn't have been opposed to it. Like, turn, Well, one way in which he does fit is he's an excellent wrestler. Yes, but Do you know what I mean? I was just going to say, I, I wonder did anyone
1: else at the time have their own thoughts on who should have been the fourth active horseman? Because obviously Aaron is the fourth horseman, but, you know, he's
0: more of a manager yeah. at this point. Yeah, um, Yeah. let us know what people think. Like, who out of this roster at the time would you have drafted in? Um, that would be interesting. There are people on the roster I think would, like, fit to one extent or another. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't busy with other stuff and going through a goth phase. Saturn and the Horseman.
1: No, I don't know. I don't think he fits.
0: As a, As a like, wrestler, The thing yes. is... Yes, the thing is, yeah, I, I guess here's the thing: is that like, um, then you would have four wrestlers of whom only one could actually talk. Yeah, you know, you, you probably want somebody who's. I a think you want a not a double A clone, but somebody of that level that can also talk. Yeah. Well, Bro- Brock Anderson was probably in his mid forties at the time, <laughs> um, so he could have done it. <laughs> that's true um, um. but yeah the the bickering oh in God, this match yeah. Lee it, like it, it legitimately this is where I like had to take a break from watching it I just couldn't stand it yeah I I
1: um, didn't take any notes on what they were fighting over I actually similar to you have very little notes on the match because the commentary yeah. just drove me insane I just have
0: why are Tony and Tanae fighting why is it constantly going on to, at some point Tony just starts doing a Larry Zabisco impersonation. Yes. Um, and like there's there's one moment where Kaz hit a gorgeous bridging German suplex. One that Takeshta could have wrote another thesis on. Uh it was it, just a delicious German suplex with a bridge. And I'm trying to enjoy that, but I fucking can't because of these idiots. Um Dean hits Kaz with a tiger bomb and a clover leaf to put us all out of our misery in this match, uh, and then immediately following up on what happened before in the show, Raven and Saturn come out. Saturn's now in his jeans. They lay out the Horseman, put Benoit on a table, big splash onto Bre- Benoit. But sadly for everyone involved, the table doesn't break. This has to be like the, looked like it sucked. The third time that's happened, to Saturn. Yeah, and like Saturn's a big boy. Yeah, it's you know? re- really weird that keeps happening to him. Yeah. um, But yeah, another, like, um, the commentators were unbearable. The action was pretty decent in the ring. Mm-hmm. I was actually kind of enjoying Chavo doing some chain wrestling with Benoit Malenko. Um, and you know what it takes for me to enjoy Chavo. Um, The post-match angle, bang on. Mm-hmm. But the commentators completely ruined this segment.
1: I will say one thing Chavo has always been good at.
0: Is getting his ass kicked, yeah, yeah. And it's one he can he like. I think we've said this before. As like when he gets more competent in the ring, which you can start to see now, he's more competent than he was mm-hmm. in in ninety eight already, um, which stands to reason. But he can be led. Yes, when he's in there with somebody, you you can't trust him to have an exciting match where he is the the person putting it together. But in there with the right person. Or partnering with the right person, you know, you talked about how much how how much ass Los Guerreros kicked mm-hmm. in, in WWE. Um yeah, he he can be led, and, and that was what was happening here, but we just couldn't enjoy it because of these fucking idiots. Um Hogan backstage having a conference with the NWO. All right. For
1: all they did right in the previous interview segment with Hogan. They mm. totally undid it all here.
0: Yeah. Now, again, one of those things where there was the kernel of an idea, which is, I in isolation, the way they handled it was horrible, but having the idea that Hogan is identifying that the only threat to the NWO is Booker T, I think that kernel in and of itself, you do that right, that potentially elevates Booker, mm-hmm. you know? But what it was, was Booker was just a name to incite more stupid infighting Mm -hmm. from the NWO. Do you want to handle this mess, what they were talking about? So, the Wolfpack and the Black and White, well, what's left of both groups, are all in the one locker room. Because people aren't even being kicked out anymore, they're just like fucking off. They're just dropping like flies at this stage. So, I think Norton is gone, Lex is gone, Sting is back as Sting. Uh, well we don't know because he's uh he's actually speaking on Monday in Lee Oh that's right he's in, he's in Vegas on Monday. Um yeah. Yeah yeah. On Nitro. Um and he's going to he's going to speak. So he's given an interview. Yeah on Nitro. Okay, Nitro. Yeah yeah. Is Sting. that Monday. Yeah yeah yeah. Okay. And and he's in the black and white face paint now. Oh that's different. So I don't know if you they, they've hardly that's mentioned That's different it. to the red and black it is yeah yeah the the white would be the key difference yeah. I love that they, they identified that Sting was miserable in the red paint uh, do you know I, I have I <laughs> in the middle of this I came up with it like do they think it's mood paint
1: what if he shows up with glittery paint like what, yeah. what kind of mood he's just is, feeling does a, that mean he's playful feeling a bit saucy <laughs> yeah who knows um, so anyway the NWO was back reunited with their multiple colours, all in the one locker room. And Hogan, I um, as you say, identifies Booker T as the biggest threat to the group because he is facing, or he's in the, the US title tournament with Scott Steiner. Yeah. And he says, you know, maybe he just needs a little bit of softening up. And they then Stevie just enters the fray. Apparently he yeah. wasn't in the locker room. But he heard Booker T's name being mentioned. Yeah. And he takes offense to this because apparently one of the provisions to him joining the NWO was that Booker
0: would never be targeted. And I think, again, another thing that in isolation would have been an interesting thing to explore. Except didn't Stevie
1: beat Booker T up multiple
0: times? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, Anyway, Stevie takes offense at this. Hogan says, no, 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 it's not like that, it's just he's a threat to the group, blah, 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 blah. So, Hogan then asks Nash and Steiner to leave the room and give him a moment alone with the with the Black and White. So, then we get Hogan taking all responsibility for the confusion over who was to be the leader of mm-hmm. the Black and White, and he says, you know, he set it up that, you know, that only the strong would survive, and You know, somebody would rise to the top, but he said, what actually happened was, we had four leaders, so what we're going to do is, we're going to do an old school, we're going to have a battle royal to determine who will be the leader. Now, I don't know if you know this, Dave, but every time a new leader of a Hells Angels chapter has
0: to be elected, they have a battle royal. Yeah, that is the classic... Since time immemorial, the best way to decide the alpha, the leader, is by a battle royal. Mm. So, there you go. Absolute shite. (laughs) Um, Speaking of absolute shite, Diamond Dallas Page versus Horace Hogan, Um, Lee. So, like, is is DDP just a baby face again? Like, very confused. They try, they try to a little bit during this match to be like, oh, he's, you know, he's He's aggressive. aggressive." Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what is it? I'm trying to think of, is it in WWE they're doing at the moment, like the new and violent Viking Raiders or whatever the hell they they call them now? Yeah. Yeah. So that's very much what it's like is like they're trying to put over his new attitude while he's doing like baby face taunts. It's just a full baby face. Yeah. Like he's he's fighting ba- valiantly against a dork heel that no one gives a shit about. Diamond cutter out of nowhere to get a pop. Yeah, they come through the break. The fucker cannot help himself. But like you said, play to the crowd during this, Um, even though he's trying to be tough. um, he does a lariat to set up the cup, the cutter. Horace tries to block it, float over into the diamond cutter out of nowhere, and a win. Proper babyface stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Next up, Lee, I know you, like, since this match was announced twice on the show, you have been dying to hear, you're dying to talk about this, and that is Hulk Hogan versus Ed. Is he Ed? Is he the disciple? I mean, the, the Chiron has the disciple yeah he'll always be Ed to me now is that Mr. Ed Um, he will be Mr. Ed Mr. Ed would have had a better match with Hulk Hogan I would say I don't Um, think Hogan would have worked with Mr. Ed again if this match was with two better workers the storyline is really interesting and if they and (laughs) if but okay right sorry no, I will qualify that. If this match had two good workers and they had actually gone to the point of going Hogan's number one contendership mm-hmm. is on the line. So there's actual stakes for Hogan here. Um, This would this could have been interesting because you have like you would have the valiant baby face going. No, I will fight through anything to get to the heel world champion versus the guy who's like he's being put in the position as the mercenary that he's fighting. Um, His best friend. He, he's. He's fighting for the Seth Rollins special to keep food on the table, mm-hmm. um, and that's what he's here for, um, and that's how the match starts. Like you have a uh, disciple fighting desperately to try and put Hogan away early. Did, did Pete Dunn um, come out at one stage and say not this way, Ed? Not, not the, the way. way. Not the way. Um, we get the strap spots. Um, it's boring shit. It's really bad. Uh, yeah, it's really really bad. Hogan hulks up. Um, Flair then trips Hogan before he hits the leg drop which gets by the way no reaction no no reaction whatsoever Um, now I have so, a theory this, yeah this match was put together for the sake of one spot
1: yeah and that was Hogan to no sell the stunner
0: yeah and that is why, like, he he gets tripped. He walks into the apocalypse, which is Disciple Stunner. Hulk responds by just hulking up again. Uh, Flair comes in and the bell rings. Uh, Flair pops his top off, hits a chop. Hogan no-sells. Hogan does what I think now is his third comeback mm-hmm. in as many minutes. Uh, this time he does the full comeback, hits the leg drop other horsemen out to swarm him and again for the second time like this is very reminiscent of the Meng thing like the horsemen come out to do the beatdown and I'm like alright the NWO they're going to empty the locker room big brawl to go off the air nope Hogan just fights off four men by himself yep like we know the NWO were there Horace was in the previous segment his nephew and instead of do you know what like blew my mind here Lee is that instead of we're out of time we gotta go mid Hogan beating them up is they end the in-ring portion of the show early because there is a breaking announcement they have to tell us about, and we need to know this before we go off the air. D- is that this on is Monday? new information. Brand new. On Monday, Lee, have you got the, on, you take, got the planner open down, yeah. there? Yeah, I yeah, got the planner got the calendar open. Calendar, yeah. Right, so on Monday, Monday. what What's that date? there's that, Monday. Um, So this will be like the, the 5th of April, maybe. Okay, hang on. What, okay, ready. Nineteen ninety nine. Okay, yeah. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. Las Vegas. Okay, Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. Okay, Nevada, or uh, as cheeky baby once said it, Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, okay. Right. MGM Grand Garden Arena. Just if you want to be specific. Monday. Yeah, we are going to hear on Monday, um, from Sting. Okay, so so that's M- Sting. yeah Sting. Sting. Okay, Monday. Monday. Yeah. And he's talking. He's talking okay. to the fans. He has an announcement. Okay. Yeah. And he's he's wearing the, the black and white face. But they're not now. sure. He might be. Yeah, not sure. And um, then just to kind of like remind us that it's actually staying on Monday. Um, they help us by showing us a video package from nearly two years ago. <laughs> um, just to ram that one home. People might forget people might forget I would have loved if they just played who the fuck is Sting are they going to play Roxanne no no not that Sting the other Sting I would have loved if, uh, like, if you know they what? played the let's do a video Sting. package yeah Let, let's just do a video package because they might come expecting like a Sting concert motherfucker comes out with a loot uh, or something like that who knows Sting, should, Sting was that, was he, a was, he, was, that, was that Sting was musician Sting into his medieval instruments around that time was that when he started getting Ooh, into that shit would have been around that time yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, they were expecting some fucking hot loot action, um, and the the fucking you know face paint McGee comes out, uh, to talk about the NWO. Um, so it's good that they, they told us this, clarified, couldn't make it any clearer. But um, they did. So if you forget, guys, say it could be thing. Could be Blonde sting. They have no idea. They they were like, even though they keep pointing out that he's in the black and white, and we did just see him on Monday in black and white, they have no idea what the future holds but for what Sting. If, but they do know he will be speaking but what on what if Monday. it's NWO Sting? We don't know, Lee. Uh, this is the question. It could be Wolfpack Sting. It could be NWO Sting. It could be Surfer Sting. It could be um, uh, Joker Sting holding Eric Bischoff hostage with a bird Sting. Um, It could be um, Sting a loot Who knows It could be Sting the police Who knows Could be Sting from the Simpsons He's he's left the NWO to join the police Who who, who could possibly say Um, Yeah he could be sending his love down the well Lee It could be Yeah absolutely Send his fucking career down the well Ah Right Lee Overall thoughts on uh, Thunder episode 57
1: I didn't hate it Honestly, I, like, I mean, no. look, the commentary fucking wrecked my head. But I can't hate a show where for, I want to say, four segments, we got Malenko, Saturn, Benoit and Raven just fucking either talking about each other or beating the fuck out of each other. Um. Yeah, Hogan with the NWO was confusing, but his earlier promo was just Proper fucking baby face shit. We got Jericho and Jojo. It was overall a pretty good show. Yeah. Uh, how about your winners and losers? Jericho. Jericho, again, just killed it in any segment he's in. Um, Saturn and Raven, man. They, they are just... Mm. Like I said, the fans are into them now already. Like it's only been a couple yeah. of weeks,
0: and they're they're on yeah. board with this. It's weird, like in a matter of a couple of weeks, we got like two really hot babyface teams between them and Kidman and Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to see the Horseman against like both of them for a long time.
1: Yeah. And I, I actually, I forgot to mention it earlier on. They, I, I don't know whether it's Tanay or Heenan. It's one of those two that, that uh, proposed that maybe, maybe Raven and Sarum decided that you know what. We know Kidman. We we've been around Kidman for years. And they know they can be him and that's why they helped Ray and Kidman win. Yeah. And it's just like when when a story like Ray and Kidman aren't even they're they're kind of semi involved. It could be any other two people in this storyline because it's all about Raven, yeah. Saturn and the horseman. Mm-hmm. But when you can add those little layers to the story and this is something that WCW I thought did a lot more often than WWF. Yeah. It's
0: really enjoyable and it and it makes you feel good as a fan to go, yeah, I remember that. Like it, it rewards you for paying yeah. attention. What a not what a novel fucking concept. And even if sometimes I get the feeling that rewarding you for paying attention in WCW is kind of accidental, mm-hmm. um, it still feels good. <laughs> um right okay that's gonna do it for another episode of thunder but first uh we should uh, round off with the finish counter brought to you by ludwig borger which gives us seven matches six clean finishes one dq slash count out um we'll be back uh in one week on the patreon in two weeks on the free feed i think our next we have another thunder next we're not venturing back to nitro for a while so we've got uh another thunder home, yeah. and then it's spring stampede, spring stampede yeah so we got some we got some real good shows cooking up ahead uh for both free feed listeners and Patreon listeners. Um so thank you very much for listening. Uh we'll see you again next time. Um yeah, be well, stay safe. Bye-bye. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks.